Dear beloved divine source, thank you for helping me to be your instrument just to share truly, truthfully, and love for everyone here to benefit in the highest possible way. Thank you. Today is about receiving abundantly and the key to that being actually giving. So this really resonated with me yesterday. I was reading this book called The Go-Giver, which I highly recommend. It's a very short read and very um, loving and very true. And so it's basically this idea of giving as uh, the greatest um, financial choice you could ever make to give. Basically, what resonated with me last night, you can hear my kids having fun, is when we give. Okay, no, here, I'll put it this way. So he was talking, oh, and spoiler alert on the book. So, you know, I might share little bits of it. I'm, I definitely will share little bits of it because it's resonating with me. I want to give it to you. But probably even if you read the book, you'll still find a lot of value after what I've shared. But if you do want to read it without hearing from me, you can pause it, get the book, and then come back. All right. So basically, okay, there was this, um, this man had met with these three people so far. And there's a man who's guiding him named Pindar. And the lead character is this young man named Joe, who's experiencing all of this alongside us, the readers, as we're learning Pindar's theory and how it's actually been applied by some people one by one for each of the laws that are being shared. And there's this question that I read last night and it was like, Pindar was like, well, what makes all these people so attractive? And Joe says, well, they, they, they are attractive. They're magnetic. And there are two examples, this young lady and this old man, and both of them were attractive and magnetic in the same way. Something about them was making both of them have this same incredible pull to them. And then it's explained that what makes them attractive is that they're givers. They're constantly thinking about how to give and how to serve more. And the whole underpinning of this book is that giving is the key. If you want to get more, if you want to receive more, then give more. If you want to get more quickly, then give more quickly. Find a way to serve more people. Aha. Uh -huh. That was a big epiphany for me, serving more people. Because here I am at home and I've been like, doing all of these different things with my writing and with my art and I've created it in order to serve all of it, to serve other people. And yet how many people have I already, have I actually reached so far? So I need to work to be really particular with my time in order to reach the most amount of people. And then something that resonated for me as well was this feeling that we are meant to put other people's needs above our own. 
That doesn't mean that we don't get our needs met, but it, we actually, our needs are met more quickly and better when we authentically want to help more people. And then looking at a relationship, they, he talks about um, Pindar and then Joe experiences that 50-50 in a romantic relationship is a losing proposition. Each person wanting to give their 100% of themselves for the other person is what will make it a working relationship. Each person putting the other one's needs above them will make it a working partnership. Now that works when both people are of that mindset. So, so this really resonates with me because I think that I have been having a bit of a victim mindset because I've done so much work. Please don't scream that loud, sweetie. Marigold, don't. Yeah. But although she is saying let it go, right? And that speaks directly to what I'm talking about right now, letting it go. Let go of this victim mindset. Let go of this idea that I have done so much for other people and have not necessarily received back in kind. I think that's not true. I think I have received back in kind. I think that I need to give more. I need to make it more of a priority to serve other people more regularly, more consistently, and to be, let's put it this way, proactive. <laughs> proactive. Marigold, you have yours. You have yours. I already gave some. Where's your one? Where's your one, sweetie? Go find it. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. That's interesting. I wonder if that's a metaphor. I, get, I have these... Um, Blueberry flax muffins, and I gave one to Marigold. I took some to be able to give to my one-year-old just in little bits. There you go. And then I had these little bits I was giving to the one-year-old. And then Marigold's like, give that to me, please, please, like begging for it. And I was like, Marigold, where's your big one? This is the same. This is only tiny bits. Where's your one? And then uh, eventually it turned out she literally had it behind me on the couch. And so now here it is. And she's asking for the tiny one, but it's literally just a smaller portion of the big one. I feel like that's a metaphor for this whole giving thing that like we have so much and that we're trying to beg for crumbs from somebody else when we really have all of this within us. Like, so they give an example inside this book of this lady and she was, had all this stuff going on and she needed to make a living. <laughs> And she did real estate, but then she, she learned all these techniques and then she wasn't successful for a whole year. And then she's like, all right, I'm throwing in the towel. Is there, I wonder if there's a name for this kind of a moment where it's like this shifting moment where things, I bet you there is, but I think I should come up with a name for it. It's that moment when, um, you know, in the alchemist, when the man's looking for emeralds and then he takes the last stone and he throws it at the last stone and then it opens up an emerald. I have experienced this many times before and especially recently where it's like, I'm like, I'm like, okay, you know, I feel like I'm at my last straw. And then as long as I keep going from there, then it opens up. But anyway, she was at that moment. She was at her emerald moment <laughs> and she's like throwing that last stone. She's like, you know what? Okay. She, she said she couldn't weasel out of the last appointment. So she was just going to go on it, but she didn't even care. She didn't bring her spec sheets. She didn't do any of the techniques. And she was just going to just whatever about this last one. And so she goes to the lady with the house. She, and she basically just has fun, talks to the lady, and it's really great. And then guess what? She sells the house. After a whole year, 
That was her first sale after she had already given up, just because she was being herself, because she found out that the value that she had to give wasn't in all these techniques that people had already come up with, but it was in befriending people, in being there for people. And um, that's what she had learned as a homemaker. Ding, ding, ding. That resonates. Um, you know, how to care for people, how to make people feel loved. Okay, so I was just doing mom stuff, so I am trying to catch myself where I was. And so adding value, adding value. So this is our question for today that we can meditate on. How do we add the most value to whatever that we're doing? So it's not about just completing a task because that's not going to get us anywhere. But when we do something in order to add value to other people's lives, in order to add value to the world, that's what's going to make a difference. And also at the same time, that will attract wealth, success, and abundance to us. So in my case, I'll be vulnerable and say that I have been creating things that I feel intuitively are valuable. However, the, where the connection happens, connecting my services and everything with other people, it just hasn't been happening really too much yet. I mean, it's, it's been happening now a little bit more with my paintings, selling my paintings and now getting them on clothing and then my articles, um, making the people who asked me to write the articles happy, but no, not so far. You know, my books haven't been read by too many people. The people who have read them, their lives have been changed and they've expressed that to me, but not too many people have read them yet. So this is where I'm like, mm -hmm. how do I give give value. And to me, I think it's something like a surrender to seeing what the divine wants to rise up at the moment. And we do see synchronicities and feel directed in certain ways where to focus on. So I'm going to keep open to that and keep doing things. Like I've been shopping my articles to newspapers lately and waiting to hear back from some. And so I'm going to see about that. And I'm continuing to write on things that I think are important for the world. I don't know if I told you about this yet. I don't think I have. I wrote an article on regenerative farming and it's amazing. And it's absolutely the direction the world needs to go on. Conventional farming is no bueno at all. Conventional farming is um, like tilling the land and being really aggressive with the land. And then that ruins all the ecosystems and depletes it and also takes the carbon out of the soil so the carbon can't even be in the soil. Then it goes in the atmosphere. Here's the irony. If they left the carbon in the soil so they didn't do those aggressive practices of like tilling, if they left the carbon in the soil, it would no longer be in the atmosphere, that carbon, which is significant because like 40% of the land in the world is farmed, I think it was. And then... Um, I was just thinking, I need to explain this better inside the article, but, um, or not, maybe, I don't know. But, um, the, if, when the carbon's in the ground, it helps, it helps the farming. It pulls out, um, impurities. It's in negativities. It acts as a filter for the earth. Marigold, hey, hey, can you calm down? Calm down, calm down. We're not going to go in there right now. Okay. It's too cold. It's a little bit too cold. 
Why don't you go find a dress? Or you need pants. Out there. To go in there, yeah. Okay? Okay, mommy. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting, right? So so um Regenerative farming works with the earth as a holistic system and what it does instead of monocropping and then doing this aggressive, terrible thing that messes up the pulling it out and then losing all the stuff, it, um, it does uh, biodiversity. So it capitalizing on the symbiotic relationship of certain plants. So you, there is a little bit of planning. The first crop, I guess, is the hardest to do, but the rewards are extensive and the land will make more money when it's um, done by regenerative farming. Not to mention that with the conventional farming, they're, 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 on a, they're setting themselves up on a little uh, clock here because it will run out. They will no longer have the nutrients needed in the soil to grow anything. So they will have to move to regenerative farming. The reason why I'm sharing this article is because I talked to somebody named Mark Diamond about this and he educated me and then I continue to do more research. Marigold, can you please stop right now? Do you see that mommy's talking? Do, do you know why I'm talking? Marigold, do you know why I'm talking? I'm sharing my podcast. And I'm trying to share things that are meaningful with other people who are important. It's so funny to think, you know, how all the different ways that we can explain things. Marigold, I know you're upset. Do you need to go have some time to yourself? Because you're not being very nice right now. Okay, mommy. Okay. She's just making sense of the world in the way she knows how. And I'm trying to facilitate that. <laughs> Is that funny, Queenie? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Um, so anyways, yes, regenerative farming is the future. The reason why I'm doing this is to help to teach farmers who, because basically this guy, Mark Diamond, told me that when he talks to farmers about this, they're like, nah, I've been doing this forever. But hey, guess what? Sorry, that probably wasn't a nice voice. Um, I apologize if you're a farmer, especially, and also if you speak in that cadence, then that's totally cool. Um, However, he said this one thing. He's like, just because we've been doing something for 100 years doesn't mean it's right. And that's true. Because there are actually ways to do things that we may not even understand yet. And so it's constantly a learning process, whether we're in farming or anything else. And um, this does need to shift. It's, it's really, really fascinating, too, because listen to this. Lots of people, several people got the Nobel Peace Prize for coming up with these conventional farming techniques. They brought it to places all over the world, like in Africa and places where they were, you know, having a hard time getting food. And then it was seen as a revolution to help feed people. But the, it's ironic because it's, they're still, the regenerative farming existed then just as it exists now. It's, it's a holistic approach to allowing, um, putting, symbiotic relationships together in plants using the earth and different things like you can use um, different living things to help bring nutrition to the soil like uh, coconut coir is will help to um, 
act as like a fertilizer and a mulch, but it also will help to protect the um, plants from like soil erosion and all kinds of other things. It does quite a few things. And um, it's just a, an organic substance that you can use to help protect the earth and support the processes that are going to happen naturally. That's what it's all about. Instead of just taking and forcing and it's like you do the forcing taking thing it'll work but it's only going to work temporarily and then let's circle back to this whole giving thing this whole giving things like regenerative farming yeah i'll give you an orange yes she does very nice marigold to think of gwendolyn that's just fine hi gwendolyn she's crawling she's almost walking and would you like a nice fresh orange marigold? Here you go. Thank you. You have a nice, kind mood to you now. I really appreciate that. Good job. Um, you took a little space, and here you are. So, um, yeah, just circling back to the whole giving thing and how that is kind of like regenerative farming in a way. It's not just taking and plotting and controlling and I get this and A for B and this is how it's going to go and this is my, you know, this is get it done, you know, type of a thing. It's regenerative. So we're giving. You give to the earth. And there's this example that I use in the article. And I'll send you this article if you want it um, because I'm trying, I'm just getting it out. I'm like, I've shopped it to some, a couple news sources so far, but I, um, I haven't heard back from them yet. So we'll see. Light a candle. Um, <laughs> I should light a candle. I have, let me see how many candles lit. six candles lit right now. So I think number seven will be a good one to do, um, to help more people to give more so that we can move this earth in the right direction. Because part of this is that, it's never it's not too late to do regenerative farming because it can recover dry soil. It can it can put nutrients back in it in a soil that's been sapped. Because they this is what I was just gonna tell you a moment ago. There was this man who came to these lands in Brazil and they were called like dry land, blah blah blah, something fire dry land or something like that. And then he um he immediately built a well and he, he ended up like building multiple wells, I guess. And then he planted a bunch of seeds. He did, um, he set up like, you know, he put, uh, I forget what all the plants were. One of them was cacao. And that ended up, um, at this time now, that land is lush and it has a new name. It's like where the, where the brings tears to the eyes, something like that in Brazil. And it's gorgeous. And it's extended out far beyond his property line, property lines. And he, um, he now sells cocoa, cacao, at, uh, like, I forget what it was, but I think it's like four times the conventional rates because it's such high quality because of how rich the earth is, how rich it is. He, when he bought it, it was abandoned and now it's rich just because he worked with what the earth does best. It grows. That's what it does best when we don't get in the way. So that's our goal is to, to be rich, to, um, to be like the real estate lady who just all along just need to be herself and befriend these people and be a space. And then from that space, they can decide if something is right for them or not, not to push them, not to pressure. And um, how do we give value? So here's our, our meditation for this week. I already mentioned a little bit, but like I'm doing it too. I'm asking, how do I give value? How do I give more value? And how do I give more? And how do I give to a greater, um, 
abundance of people. How do I reach more people in giving? How do I serve? How do I serve? And we're, that's a golden question. That's an, an emerald question. Oh, it freaked me out. So I'm going to come back to you with what I uncover, and I'd love to hear about what you uncover if you want to email me it or anything. My email is lisalovelotus at gmail.com. But I want to know what are some more ways that I can serve, how I can serve more people, and how I'm going to um, shift more in my life to, to giving more value and in which ways. And, um, and just being open to that, both in personal and professional aspects, that will pay greatly for all of us. And I'm excited about the abundance that we are walking into now as we are sharing abundantly with everyone in our lives. Thank you.